And you can go ahead and be opening up your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. I'm going to read a few verses before we, we uh, get there. Uh, but uh, it is great to gather together and worship the Lord, especially in this uh, uh, Christmas season as we, uh, we celebrate. Uh, but we need to do more than celebrate, and that's what we're going to be talking about uh, today. It's one thing to acknowledge. It's one thing to say, I'm thankful that Jesus came. It's another thing to live for King Jesus and surrender your life to him. And that is what exactly what he uh, deserves. If you're visiting with us this morning, I just want to take just a few moments just to uh, extend a special welcome to you. Thankful that you are here today. And we would love to connect with you. We would love to uh, get to know you better. And so there in the handout that you received when you came in, there is uh, on that front page, there's a way to connect there. And if you don't mind uh, texting that number and letting us know who you are, and uh, we can reach out to you and get to know you better. And if you're looking for a church home, I know where a good one is. And so I uh, don't have much of a pastor, but it's a pretty good church home. <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, and uh, some good people there. So we would love to talk to you about what God's doing in your life. And even if you're not looking for a church hall. You just need prayer. You need uh, some, uh, some support or some encouragement. We are here for that uh, as well. Uh, but uh, we looked last week at the prophecies about Jesus that prophesied about his coming. And uh, this morning, I want us to look at some of the preparation because when you talk about God coming, God didn't just, just show up, all right? Uh, there was a lot of work, not only with the prophecies being fulfilled, but there's a lot of things that God did to prepare and to get things ready for his coming. And, uh, and that's what we need uh, today. Matter of fact, in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, it says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. It says, in the fullness of time, then God sent his son. What that means is when everything was ready, Jesus showed up. And uh, that's, that's what happened. And, and, and the fullness of time talks about everything that God had put together uh, with Rome uh, being the world power at that day and, and the, what Rome did as far as opening up travel and, and, uh, and the different things that the, the Roman Empire put into place. The Greek language was available at that time that everybody, no matter what your native language was, just about everybody spoke Greek and so that the, the gospel and the good news could be shared in a common language. Uh, not only that, but the work that he was doing in Israel, and Israel was getting more desperate and more hungry for the Messiah to come. The prophecies were all falling into place. And not only that, but God was preparing people to receive him, to, to, to welcome him. Uh, he was preparing hearts for that. Now, not everybody was ready for Jesus, but there are some that were. And even though Jesus is not coming back to this earth as a babe born in a manger, every time we gather together, matter of fact, every day, Jesus wants to come into our lives and walk with us and, and lead us and guide us. And the question is, are we ready? Are we prepared for that? Speaking of preparation, in Isaiah 
chapter 40, he talks about that, that preparation for that first Christmas and really the preparation that ought to be in every one of our hearts if we're going to walk with Jesus, if we're going to live for Jesus. And In Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3, it says, The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Of course, this is a prophecy that John the Baptist will fulfill completely, and we're going to talk about him in just a moment. But he wasn't the only one uh, that was preparing the way because that was the voice. It says, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God, or for our God to come, for Emmanuel to come, for Jesus to come. God prepared a people that were ready to welcome the Messiah, that were ready to welcome the Savior, to welcome the Son of God, to welcome Emmanuel, to welcome Jesus. They were ready. How were they ready? They were prepared. They prepared the way. And see this, when it talks about preparing the way, literally what it means, it's talking about the, the heart. It's talking about the, the, the spiritual side of that because the word prepare the way, it means to face. That's literally what the root of the word means. It means to turn toward something and, and, and face it. And here, what he's talking about, hearts that would turn toward God face-to-face with God, taking their focus off of everything else, so desperate, so ready, so eager, so hungry for for God to come that they, they were ignoring everything else and crying out to God. That's the heart that's ready. That's the heart that's ready to, to walk with God, to, to, to receive God, to, to, to have that fellowship with God. And then not only that, it says, uh, and make straight in the desert. An idea of making straight, it means to remove all the obstacles, to make the path free of obstacles. In other words, to get everything out of our life that would be an obstacle to walking by faith with God. See, that's, that's what the Christian life is. Jesus came to pay the price. Jesus came to to be the Savior. In order for us to receive that, to experience all that God has for us, this relationship that God has for us, we must prepare the way and make the way straight. We've got to remove all those obstacles. And we've got to have a heart of faith surrender to him. See, these people at this time that were ready, and and if we're ready today, if we're, we're willing to receive him, we're prepared for him today, it is a heart preparation that takes place. It's a faith preparation that must take place. Are we ready to welcome Jesus? Well, do we have a real faith? Not a phony faith, not a pretend faith. See, we can sing the songs and say all the right things, but is our heart really surrendered to Him? You know, uh, we read in the Bible, we read in Jesus' day, even in the Old Testament, but especially in Jesus' day, we read in the book of Acts of how God worked and the amazing things that God did. And sometimes we're even bold enough and audacious enough to say, God, do it again. But understand, you can't have these blessings of God without the surrender to God that these people had. They were totally sold out to God. Is that where your heart is today? It's one thing to celebrate and to put up some manger scenes and some nativity scenes and, 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 and things like that and even to read the Christmas story, but that's not what God wants. God wants hearts that are surrendered to him. That's what God deserves. 
That's what faith is. And I want us to look at that faith in the lives of three people this morning. First of all, I want us to look at the life of Mary. And with Mary, we see this faith that surrenders. She had a faith that was surrendered, which all, all three of these do. But that was really the aspect that stood out in her faith is that her faith was surrendered. So that's where I said in Luke chapter 1, this is where we're going to, uh, to look at now uh, at the, the story of, of Mary and, and how uh, the angel came to her. So Luke chapter 1, let's begin reading in verse 26 where it says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man. Now that's key. Remember what we read last week in Isaiah. A virgin shall conceive. So here is a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. We'll talk about him more in a minute. Of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. And therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary, and here comes her faith. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. See, when she said the handmaid of the Lord, she was saying, I'm your servant. I am your slave. Whatever you say goes. I surrender to you. See, she was saying as, as all this was coming to her, she didn't understand it at first. She said, you know, I, I can't do this. And it said, and it said, therefore, with God, all things are possible. And she said, okay, I surrender to God. I'm the handmaid of God. I'm, I'm surrendered completely to him. You see, real faith, faith that, that receives Jesus, faith that, that welcomes Jesus, faith that walks with Jesus is a faith that surrenders. And now her surrender wasn't just based upon her feelings or her emotions. Her surrender was based 
based on the word of God. As the angel came and, and shared this to her, understand this, Mary must have known the word of God. As, as the angel talks to her, she knew who the angel was talking about when it's talking about the Son of God, when it's talking about the Messiah, and was talking about the one that would come. She knew exactly what the angel was talking about. How did she know that? Because she knew the Old Testament. She knew what the word of God said. When they talked about being of the throne of David and being and that he would reign over the house of Jacob. She didn't have to ask who David and Jacob were. She knew that. She knew the word of God. She knew what the word of God said. She knew all the prophecies that we were talking about last week in, in, in Genesis, the, the one that promised that one would come and would, would crush the head of the enemy. And Micah about being born in Bethlehem and Isaiah chapter 7 and chapter 9 that we talked about. She knew all those things. And so she knew what was going on here. And then even uh, later on after the angel leaves and, and she meets with Elizabeth there, she has this, this psalm of praise that, that she gives unto God. And in that psalm of praise, there are 15 different quotes or references to the Old Testament. See, her faith wasn't just based upon what she wanted. Her faith was based upon the word of God that God said the Messiah was coming and the angel said it was gonna, she was going to play a role in this. And she said, let it be however God wants it to be. So faith that is surrendered, that is based on the word of God. Faith does what the word says, and she was ready. Faith is also a surrender that is expressed through worship. The surrender that she has is expressed through her worship. Now, I didn't read verses 46 and following this psalm of praise, but let me just read verse 46 to you. When Mary starts off this song of praise to God in chapter 1, verse 46, Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And may I just say that's the best definition of worship that's ever been written. To magnify the Lord. That's what worship is. She made Jesus big. She made the Lord big. That's what magnify means. It means to, to make large. And what she was saying was, was, I'm small, God is large. God is what matters, not my preferences, not what I want, not my convenience, not my comfort. God is big. And by the way, you can't have big God and big me. doesn't work that way. If God's going to be magnified, I've got to be demagnified. I, I, I've, got to be, I've got to be decreased. If God is going to increase, I must decrease, like John said. And so that's, uh, that's what she is saying here. She's magnifying him. And she, what is, she is saying here, she's not just talking about, I'm going to sing some Christmas hymns. They haven't been written yet, all right? And she's not just talking about, you know, just singing some psalms and stuff right here. This is the cry of her own heart. And matter of fact, it isn't even a song that she sang. She just said this. She worshiped God in her prayer. She worshiped God not only that but in her life by the things that she did and that's what true worship is. True worship is a life surrendered to God. That's what worship surrenders express through worship. Our lives ought to be an act of worship unto God. If you're singing songs of worship but your heart is not surrendered to God it's not worship. Worship flows from a heart that is surrendered to God. And that very act of surrender, when we obey God and we do what God has called us to do, that is worship. When we serve others and, and minister to others and give of ourselves and love to others, that is worship. When we forgive those that have offended us, that is worship. When we share the gospel with those that are lost, that's worship. 
That's worship. And here's Mary. You understand, when she was told all these things by the angel, it, it did seem impossible. And then the angel says, with God, all things are possible. And she understands that, and she surrenders. She was surrendering to a life of hardship, a life of, of mockery. People would not understand what had taken place. And yet she still worshipped God. She still worshipped God. Worship is not a feeling. And it's not based upon our feelings. Worship is an act of faith. An act of faith. Not, not just that we're believing God for better things to happen, but we're trusting God no matter what happens. That's surrender. And so if we're going to be prepared to live a life for God, we've got to have a faith that surrenders. And then secondly, we've got to have a faith that obeys. Mary said, I can't do it, but I'm trusting in God. Here comes Joseph. And Joseph has an encounter with the angel as well. Matthew chapter 1, if you want to turn back a few pages and Look at the story. We're going to come back to Luke chapter 1 here in just a moment. But in Matthew chapter 1, we see Joseph. We're, his name was mentioned in Luke chapter 1. Here we see his faith in action. See, God was preparing a people. In verse 18 of, of Matthew chapter 1, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother, Mary was betrothed to Joseph before they came together. And she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. We just read about that. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately, to divorce her privately and not have her stoned, because he doesn't know that this child is of the Holy Spirit. Yet. Verse 20, But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. That's Isaiah seven fourteen we looked at last week. Verse 24, Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. He called his name Jesus. See, Joseph had not only a faith that was surrendered, and Mary not only had a faith that was surrendered, but here we see a faith that obeys. Did you see what it said in verse 24? It said, Joseph did as the angel of the Lord commanded. Joseph, don't, don't read any, we don't read anything about what Joseph said. We just read what Joseph did. Because it's one thing to say it, it's another thing to do it. Joseph did. He said, I don't know what's best. God, you know what's best, and I'm going to do what you've told me to do. That's faith. That's the life that we're called to live. 
We're called to have a faith that obeys, a faith that has a, a, an obedience that, that must overcome challenges. If we're going to obey God, understand, our obedience must overcome challenges. That was Joseph's obedience. He didn't understand. He didn't understand what was going on. I'm sure he had a lot of questions, but he didn't even ask any questions. He just obeyed. He knew it was going to look bad. He knew people were going to talk about what was going on and make fun of, of Mary and make fun of, of even him. He didn't care about that. He just obeyed. I'm sure he was devastated when he found out Mary was with child. And then he was shocked when this angel showed up and, and, and did this. And he didn't care about all that. He just obeyed. He never said a word. He just obeyed. I'm sure he had plans for a perfect family and, and all these things about what his family would look like. All all that's out the window, but he still obeyed. Real faith overcomes challenges because there are always challenges and just obeys anyway. Faith that obeys. Not only obedience must overcome challenges, but understand this too. Obedience will reveal char character. If we're not living a life of obedience... If we're deliberately living in disobedience to God, if we're kind of obeying God, but not really obeying God, then that reveals we need a character change. We need a change of character. And God can change your character. That's what salvation's about. God changes us. Now, there are things, you know, that we need to, to build into our life that help build character. There are things that, that yes, that, that we can do, and people talk about character building. There are, are, are good habits that we need to, to bring into our lives. Accountability is, is real and important. Building that, that, that diligent, hard work mindset that we're willing to, to do those things, all those can kind of be built into our lives. And, but the reality is, is that God's called us more than just to, to to build those things into our life. He's called for us to have godly character and godly character only comes from God. Those things can help us when, when the Holy Spirit's not in control of our lives, when we're not yielded to the, to the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit takes over our life, that, that character will show forth. That fruit of the Spirit will show forth in our life and our obedience reveals where our character is. When the Holy Spirit's in control of your life, then you will always make the right choice. Here's Joseph. He, he, he is a man of character here, and he obeys, and, and he did what he was told. And it showed that he had a true faith in God. James says that faith without works is false. It's false faith. Do we believe in God? And if we believe in God, it'll show forth in how we behave. A faith that obeys. And then finally, a third faith I want us to look at. And not a third different faith, but this is one faith, a faith that surrenders and a faith that obeys. Joseph had to recognize that he didn't know what was best and trust God and obey Him anyway. But we see a third faith, and it was we mentioned Isaiah 40, but here we see a faith that kills. That kills. 
You say, what are you talking about? I'm glad you asked. Go back to the book of Luke. In Luke chapter 1. And go back before Mary and we see the one, John the Baptist, who fulfilled that prophecy in Isaiah chapter 40. And notice what the angel had to say to Zacharias and eventually to Elizabeth as well as she would hear this. But Zacharias was John's father. Let me just begin reading in verse 5 where it says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was the daughter of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth, was of the daughters of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. There comes that obedience again. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, but they were both well advanced in years. And so it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense. And when he went, uh, when he went into the temple of the Lord, the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He's preparing the way. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Are we a people prepared for the Lord? If we are, we need to have a faith that surrenders, a faith that obeys, and a faith that kills. You see, John's life, as it says right here, his life, his message, his life was characterized by surrender, by sacrifice. John had no life like everybody else. He didn't have a home. He didn't have a job. He didn't have a family. He didn't have a ministry or anything really like that. John gave all, he sacrificed all of that to do what God had called him to do. And yet the Bible says there is no greater man born of a woman other than John. All, listen to me. All the things that we pursue and spend our time with, John had none of that. And God said, there's no greater man born of a woman other than John. See, we need to have a faith like John had. A faith that kills. And what do I mean by that? You could say the motto of John's life was, I must die. I must die so that Christ can be exalted. You see, it talks about it here. The Spirit comes to bring 
new life. Not to fix up the old life. The Spirit comes to bring new life. He talks about in verse 15 that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Not filled so that he can get all the things, all the things that everybody would ever want in life, but that the Spirit of God was what led him to a new life that was different from the old life. The Spirit of God is what produces this new life. We can't produce it on our own. And we need to come to the place that if we're going to receive God, we've got to get rid of this old life and let the Spirit produce a new life within us that welcomes Jesus, that prepares a place for, for Jesus, that prepares the way for him to rule and reign in our lives and, and through us. We must replace the old with the new by yielding everything we have to the Holy Spirit of God. When the Holy Spirit of God takes over, the flesh dies it is the spirit-filled life that welcomes Jesus. We need a new heart, and not only a new heart, but we need a new spirit and, 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 and his spirit to fill our spirit. We're not talking about putting a, a, a new patch on our, old, on our old clothes. We're not talking about filling our old wineskins with, with new wine. We're talking about something totally new here. And that's what we need. We're, we're so consumed with our life and trying to fit God into our life. That's not a life that welcomes Jesus. He has called us to, to surrender to him. A life of surrender, a life of faith that is willing to, to kill the old life. And so we must repent of the old life. That's what he's talking about. Turn, turn. That was his message and that was his life. He says, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he'll go before them in the spirit and the power of Elijah. Why? To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. If we're ready to receive the Lord, if we're ready to walk with God, it's one thing to sing about Christmas. It's one thing to decorate about for Christmas. It's one thing to, to, to talk about Christmas and wish people a Merry Christmas. But are we living a life that honors Christ, that Jesus is Lord of our life? And if we're going to live that type alive. Yes, there must be surrender and obedience, but we must die to ourselves. And we must turn away from our flesh. John's life, think about John the Baptist's life. It was a life of daily death to the flesh. I mean, he ate locust and wild honey. He lived with animal skins and he had no material things. He didn't care for material things. He just wanted to honor God. And once he met Jesus, he just wanted to point people to the Lamb. That's what his life was about. His life was a life of repentance. His message was a message of repentance. He called the religious people a brood of vipers. I wonder what he'd call us today. He called upon them to bear fruit of repentance. Not just to come and listen to the message. Not just to come and, and hear what he had to say. And not just to come and, and say amen to what he had to say. Where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? And when he met Jesus, he wasn't dancing and putting on a party. 
He looked Jesus eyeball to eyeball and said, I'm the one that needs to be baptized by you. All that John did, he said, I'm the one that needs to change. I need to repent. I need to be baptized by you. You're the greater one. You're the reason I live. You're the reason I came. And as I said earlier, he's the one that said, when people, the crowds quit coming to hear him and started following Jesus, he said, he must increase, I must decrease. We need him. The need of the church, the need of every individual is him. It's Jesus. This is Doug Ferris, and I'm blessed to be the pastor here at Underwood Baptist Church. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. It's our prayer that you'll do more than listen to the sermon or gather religious information. We want you to encounter God, and we pray that He will impact your life. If you'd like to contact us for any reason, please go to our website at underwoodbaptist.org. All our contact information is there, and we look forward to hearing from you. I hope you are blessed by today's message.